0: the ideas, the leaders, the lives that are shaping Denmark, and the world. From Blocks Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, with your co-hosts, Ed Lay and Thomas Mulhern, this is Global
1: Denmark. Hello and welcome back to the Global Denmark where we explore how thought leaders and innovators are working to create a better Denmark and a better world. We had the pleasure of speaking with Ambassador Lona Vispor, the Danish ambassador to the United States, on what it means to be an ambassador for her, how she promotes Denmark and why, the state of Danish-American relations, and what living abroad does to both your global and national perspectives. Without further ado, we bring you Ambassador Lona Vispor. We are back. I am on the phone today with our very special guest, Ambassador Lona Vispor. Lona, thank you so much for taking the time to call in. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Oh, the pleasure is on our side. We want to dive right in. As you know, we talk to different ambassadors from different countries, and we're very curious from your perspective, what does it mean to be an ambassador for you in the broad context?
0: Well, I think for me, it means fighting for Danish interests and values in the world. I mean, it's also representing my country. I think that's kind of the... The phrase that most would use, an ambassador represents her country, and that's obviously a big part of it. When people say represent your country, people think that you're just, you know, you're attending national day receptions. And I, you know, my my vision of being ambassador is broader than that. You know, I have to fight hard for Danish interests and values, and and that's what we do here every day.
2: Perhaps you could uh, touch on uh, then what those Danish values are and, and how you go about promoting them
0: yes i mean it it depends of course because there are bro- there is a broad range of uh, of, of interests and uh, and values if you look at the The uh, foreign policy side, so that means obviously fighting for the positions that the Danish government have on foreign policy. I could give you one example. Uh, We have uh, both the the European Union and and, the United States have introduced sanctions uh, vis-a-vis Russia after they uh, annexed Crimea and, and because of the conflict in eastern Ukraine. And so one of the, one of the Danish points of view that I have voiced strongly over here is that we should try to coordinate as much, uh, the, these sanction regimes. The more, let's say, Europe and the US uh, stand together on, on sanctions, the more effective they are. So that would be one, uh, position that I would be advancing. And I would do that in, in my meetings with, uh, with members of the administration here in Washington. So that would be in, you know, in State Department or, or in the White House.
1: Excellent. And do you see a, um, a broad consensus in terms of European-American um, alignment right now?
0: I think on the on specific issue about sanctions, I think we have done really well when it comes to uh, uh, coordinating our sanctions vis-a-vis Russia, and therefore we have seen that they have been uh, really uh, uh, efficient. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, I, and so I think that's a good example of how we should work together.
2: Wonderful. And if we were to um, remove the Danish flag and you weren't allowed to say the word Denmark or that you were from Denmark, what values would you be um, portraying to, to demonstrate um, how the Danes feel and, and how the Danes are shown to the rest of the world or America?
0: I think, you know, we were traders back to the Viking age. So I think it's something about openness to the rest of the world. Uh, we, we are We are curious. We want to travel. We want to learn about other countries. We want to work with other countries. um, We want to also become inspired uh, by other countries. So an openness, uh, and uh, I think a strong Danish value um, that we often hear is trust. We are a a, we are society uh, based on trust and uh, yeah
1: on cooperation. It's uh, interesting, uh, you mentioned trust. We just had a conversation with uh, Kelt Jensen, uh, who's also a professor at Arizona State University over there. Um, yeah. And he said that trust is the competitive advantage that Denmark has also in a business mm-hmm. context. And I, I just read actually a study from, I believe it was denskinder Street that showed that mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, there's been a reduction in trust since 2005 from 78 to 61%. And that for each point, of uh, reduction in general trust that equi- that's equivalent to 1 billion Danish crowns and lost economic growth. So it, it's, yeah, it's well. really, uh, yeah, I think it's, you're pointing to something that's really a lot of people are talking about and, you know, everyone says how Denmark um, leads the way in trust. Are, is there any concerns over there about what's going on because of the, uh, I guess, the, the scandals and some of the banks or is, it, is the reputation still very strong? the reputation of denmark is is very strong in the us
0: i i think we are seen as a a really good uh, ally uh, we have uh, stood shoulder to shoulder with the us in in some difficult conflicts you know in afghanistan iraq libya etc and and we continue to you know show up when when the going gets tough and that's very much uh, recognized in the, in the us they also uh, still remember, and that's interesting, I think, uh, what we did for the Jews during the Second World War when we managed to yeah. uh, get most of them to, to Sweden. Um, that's also something that is, is mentioned very much. And then I think they are a little bit fascinated uh, you know, about our, so- our societal model, the fact that we have this liberal market economy combined with, a, with an extended welfare system. This is something... Uh, rare for them, and, and they're quite curious about what it what it means.
2: So um, I'm really curious as to the uh, ambassadorial duties, if that's a word. Um, what does it look like from day to day? Are you are you giving speeches or talking at um, different events, oh. or or is it lots of meetings and and personal things?
0: It's really very. There's a big variation from from week to week. Um, this past week, I had uh, visitors, uh, like ministers and, and parliamentary committees from Denmark visiting, and, and there my, my obligation is to accompany them. Of course, we, we set up the programs for, the, for whom they should meet, and I accompany them, and I brief them on, on this situation here in the U.S. Uh, other days, I go and give presentations uh, about, about Denmark or about Danish trade policy or uh, about you know, foreign policy views on Iran or whatever that be, might be. And again and, and in other days, I, um, I uh, do what I call commercial stuff. So I assist Danish companies uh, who want to do export or, or investments in the U.S., and, you know, we also sometimes have cultural uh, events where we uh, promote Danish artists uh, in the U.S. So it, it's really a big variation and no, no day is similar to, to, to another. You know, it, it, it varies very much from day to day.
1: Oh, fantastic. Um, how, how do you, um, we talk with a lot of uh, Danes who say it's difficult uh, to network due to this concept of jendelo and kind of this professional and personal humility. Um, How do you as an ambassador deal with kind of both the title of being in this kind of position uh, in an American context which looks at titles in a very different way than Denmark?
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, I think um, for me as ambassador, the most important thing is to build up a network, that's what we live off, you know, uh, that's what we need in order to be able to carry out our job. So, so since I've been here, I've tried to meet as many people as possible in, in the U.S., whether it be, you know, in the administration or businesses or in culture or whatever, and, and Congress, of course, uh, is very important, and, and so that's the network I need in order to carry out, uh, carry out my job. Um, and of course, uh, you know, when you call on people, uh, you sometimes disturb them. That, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of it goes with the uh, with the territory. And, um, and and I think for some Danes, that can be a little bit uh, difficult. Uh, you know, we don't want to. I think I think mean, very, very often Danes don't want to disturb. You know, yeah. but you as a diplomat, you just have to disturb. That's part of your job. So so you have to get out of your comfort zone and uh, knock on doors. Uh, the good part about the U.S. is that they're very used to that, and and they're very sort of extrovert, and and so uh, they don't mind, and they know that this is, this is how it, this is how it's done. So so you're very um, often you know welcomed when you when you knock on the door.
2: I'm curious with with such a, a broad spectrum of of things that you do, um, how do you how do you measure the effectiveness of an ambassador, or is that even possible?
0: I think every year I have a conversation with headquarters in Copenhagen and we try to look at what we've done uh, at the embassy during the uh, the past year and to see whether you know that was the right prioritization because I think there's always more you can do so it's really a matter of choosing uh, where to put your efforts and so uh, at least once a year we do that assessment and if there's anything that needs to be corrected, we we try to do that. But uh, that that's basically, of course, it's it's sometimes difficult to measure, or rather, some sure. some issues are, are easier to measure than others. For instance, uh, what we do on the commercial side, uh, helping assisting Danish companies with export and investment, we actually work more or less like a consultancy, so we charge the companies, and there it's very yeah. easy to see what what did we sure. earn basically. <laughs> but on other issues, of course, like influencing US foreign policy, it's, it's more difficult to see what the results are. and uh, So so there it, it's more an, an assessment. You can see a feeling of whether we're going in the right direction.
1: Hmm. I, I can imagine that strategically it, it must be interesting that because you're dealing with both obviously um, the party in power and the party out of power in, in terms of establishing relations, is that is that is that difficult to kind of stay out of the politics of the Republican Democrat divide? Well,
0: I think there you have to understand that that our job in that sense is to report back to Copenhagen about uh, you know developments and and positions on on the U.S. side, and and obviously it's both interesting uh, what the administration, or what the Republicans are doing, and what the Democrats are doing, and. Um, and so um, I think, you know, that's not really an issue. Right now, um, we are following, of course, the run-up to the 2020 elections. Mm-hmm. And and there, uh, one of the, the big questions is, of course, who will be the democratic nominee? Yep. Uh, and so we are spending a lot of time uh, talking to different stakeholders uh, about that in order to inform Copenhagen, uh, as best we can on how that is going, and so I think that's you know that's perfectly uh, logical. Yeah. And at the same that's time, true. of course, we uh, yeah. And now on the Republican side, there's uh, not a lot of contesters, so uh, so there uh, it it may be more obvious what will happen. But <laughs> um, but uh, but then we spend time, of course, on talking to Republicans about. Uh, like future policies, what would they expect will, uh, will come up, what would be the priorities of, a, uh, in that case, uh,
1: the next Republican administration. Yeah, yeah, there must be some interesting um, scenarios looking to all these different things that can happen in the future.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the U.S. is our security guarantee, and so what happens over here will always be of enormous interest to Denmark. And, and so therefore, of course, we... There's a big appetite on on um, on our products, so to speak, on the information that we're sending back to <laughs> yeah, the
2: I, can I saw a um, an interview on the Daily Show with Greta. I'm just going to call her Greta T because I can't pronounce her surname. <laughs> but um, she was asked, um, "Is there a difference between how they see the climate change um, in?" America and, and how they see it over in Scandinavia. And her response was, um, well, in America, the debate around is around whether it's true or not. And the um, in Scandinavia, it's seen as fact. And, and what are we going to be doing about it? Do uh, are, you have a strong, do Denmark have a strong uh, policy around uh, climate change? And, and are you involved in that and, and spreading the message to America?
0: Yes, we do have a strong position. I mean, the new Danish government has set a very ambitious target of Mm -hmm. uh, reducing CO2 emissions by uh, 70% in 2030. That is very ambitious. And and if you see the political understanding that was drafted between the the ruling party and their three support parties, climate is actually the, the first topic that is mentioned. So there's no... No doubt that this is a very strong priority uh, of the government and, and obviously therefore it's also a, a big priority for us uh, here in, uh, here in DC. Uh, and we had actually uh, earlier also a visit of our new uh, minister for, for climate, energy and utilities here. And, and he also spoke about the Danish ambitions and how we would like uh, to inspire uh, the rest of the world, and of course, uh, also the US on, on on climate issues.
1: Yeah, it seems like there would be a, a natural area, clean energy, for the states to look to Denmark for potential best practice.
0: Yeah, the good thing is that, of course, uh, we realized that President Trump decided to pull the uh, United States out of the Paris Agreement. Mm-hmm. But we do see a lot, of, uh, a lot of developments, a lot of movement uh, on, on, in, in the states, actually. Uh, for instance, offshore wind is really taking uh, off on, on the East Coast and actually with partic- participation of Danish companies. Uh, and we can see interest in um, district heating and then in, in biogas. And so there's actually quite a lot to work with for us uh, in, in the states also.
1: What, what were some of the things that have uh, surprised you about how uh, Americans view Denmark or perhaps about what what you see going on in the States right now, maybe for our audience?
0: I don't know if I've been surprised with the U.S. view on, on Denmark. I think most Americans that I meet, they... Um, hmm. They have a positive view of of Denmark. They they remember, as I said, they remember the story about uh, us helping Jews during the Second World War. They they know about our our sacrifices in Afghanistan. You know the number of uh, of soldiers who died there, fighting for, uh, you know, for for freedom for for the Afghans. Uh, and so uh, I think in general there is a positive view on on Denmark. Sometimes we get the question. Uh, of whether whether Denmark is a socialist uh, economy, and we have to explain right. uh, the fact that we have a like societal model that is based on a on a liberal market economy, but with a developed welfare system. I think for many that's a little bit of a, a strange concept, and so they're very curious about it. And and you know very often when we start telling about our welfare system, they they you know they they, they find that very interesting: free education, free access to healthcare, etc. But then, when I when I tell them that it, you know, you also have to pay fifty percent of your income in taxes, then sometimes the interest fades a little bit, <laughs> yeah. <to be> <laughs> so, yeah,
1: yeah, it's the uh, the value of liberty or freedom above all others. I yeah. Think. Um, so so obviously you are the uh, Danish ambassador to the United States. Um, what was that like when you got the news that hey uh, Lono, we're we're sending you to DC?
0: Well, I was super excited. I mean, to me, that was kind of the uh, jewel in the crown in terms of uh, postings. Uh, I've always uh, worked throughout my career a lot on security policy, and there, obviously, uh, the United States is our Primary security uh, guarantor. So, so being able to serve here was um, was really just a dream come true. As I said earlier, almost everything ha- that happens in this country is of interest to uh, to Denmark. So it's it's really a privilege uh, and and an honor to serve here and to be able to send back um, reports to uh, to
2: Copenhagen. And uh, have you managed to maintain the famous Danish work-life balance?
0: <laughs> well, I think to, uh, to to some extent it's it's no uh, secret that it is very very busy here, but I do uh, I do try uh, to maintain a good balance also for for my staff. I think uh, this is also one of our strong values, uh, as you hinted uh, at, that we can uh, be efficient and produce very good results, but at the same time. Have a you know a, a private life and, and take care of our families. Uh, I believe that if you can, if you as a as a leader can create the framework conditions for that to uh, to materialise, I'm absolutely convinced that uh, your employees will also um, produce better results. So that's what I am aiming at. Some Fantastic. weeks uh, are better than others, though.
2: <laughs> sure, I can imagine. We yeah, have it too.
1: Now, we talk to a lot of uh, both Danes and expats, um, and Ed and I can almost identify uh, within the first 10 seconds if um, someone's lived abroad. And I'm just Uh wondering, how has living abroad changed kind of your perspective both um, on how you look at Denmark but how you look at the rest of the world?
0: Well, I I certainly think that you become more aware of... um... Of, of danish values i would say uh, or rather you you choose, you're much more aware of what you like in your uh in your country and and, and what you maybe don't like or what you like more in other countries uh, and and for me it's um living abroad has really meant uh, in the um that you you experience everything in a more intense way because nothing is like it's nothing is like it has always been. So the news, they don't come at nine o'clock in the evening, and so uh, whatever the uh, sausages, they are not on shelf number three in, in your local supermarket. You you just have to go out there and, and experience it all, and uh, it means really that life becomes much more intense, in, in my view, and, and that I like very much. But I also have to say that I like the interaction, I like you know, years where I live abroad, and other periods where I, I live back in, in Denmark, and uh, and it makes me treasure, I think, more uh, my own country.
2: Yeah, we um we interviewed um, a couple of authors, uh, both uh, Christian and uh, Panilla Hippobon, who um, who went around the world and interviewed uh, Danish leaders uh, from around the world who who reported when in Denmark that there weren't Danish leadership traits but then when they found themselves in organizations outside the country very quickly um, gathered a set of Danish values that they could see in, in Denmark and Scandinavia that just weren't present in, in those other countries. And do you have an entirely Danish team there or do you have a, 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 a staff? No, it's,
0: an, it's, it's a mix actually of, of Danes and, and Americans uh, and we've been having have a bridge among us uh, as well so yeah uh, so it, it is a mix
2: and um and how do you how do you approach uh, leadership or leading a team
0: yeah well um <clears throat> i mean i think my leadership philosophy is uh, i wouldn't say leading from behind but i try to delegate as much as possible i believe mm-hmm. very much in setting a direction and then uh, trying to create the best framework uh, conditions for my staff to work. Uh, I don't believe very much in, in very direct instructions on detailed issues. Uh, I think with, if, pe- if you give people a sense of direction and, and room for maneuver, uh, I think they they take much more responsibility for, for their own portfolio and... Um, and, and I think actually that creates uh, better results. So that's kind of my, my overall philosophy. And then, um, and then the question is, how does that fit the cultural, uh, let's say environment that you're working in? And, and there, throughout my career, not so much maybe in the US, but earlier in my postings, I have learned that I think it was Soren Kierkegaard who said something to the effect that if you want to Take people or bring people to a certain place. You have to pick them up where they are. Mm. So, so meaning you you can't just come with all your philosophies and ideals and and tell people that's how I am and, and now you just have to adapt to that. So you have to find out where people are and then move them in the direction that you want them to to go. And and that's what that's what I'm trying uh, to do uh, here as well. But I I don't find the culture that. That different, uh, not here in the in the embassy at least. I, I suppose during many years it has been kind of an uh, we have um, cross fertilized uh, <laughs> the the American and and the Danish leadership culture.
1: Excellent. Uh, I'm mindful of the time, uh, Ambassador, and we have one more question here before a quick break, and mm-hmm. that is what what would you tell uh, our Danish audience about. Uh, why it's a good thing to have uh, America as a friend and ally still?
0: Well, I think, uh, you know, we, during the last 70 years, the US and Europe uh, created this international rules-based order that we, uh, that we are living in right now with, with our institutions, uh, the United Nations, NATO, European Union, World Trade Organization. We created that together. And, um, and I think we have benefited enormously from that international order with common rules uh, and, and peace, basically, uh, in, in our neighborhood. And uh, if we want that order to still exist... Uh, the United States is is an absolutely essential part of it, and and so we basically have to work together to preserve and develop uh, this international order in order to for us to thrive uh, in in the years to come.
1: Fantastic. Well, we are going to on that note take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsors, and we will come back with the second half of the podcast. Studying for an executive MBA at Henley Business School in Denmark is an intense and rewarding experience. If you want to achieve the best possible outcomes in business and in life, we can give you the skills and knowledge you need through the Henley MBA. For more info, visit
2: henley.dk. Okay, we are back with our quick fire round. The questions will be quick fire, your answers certainly don't need to be. Um, do you have any daily uh, habits, routines, or rituals to? Uh, Keep yourself mentally or physically sharp.
0: Well, I try to exercise half an hour every morning. Um, I, I don't always succeed, but I, I guess that's my my best um, sort of
2: routine. And what does that sharp. exercise uh, consist of?
0: It's either you know jogging or yoga. Yeah, mainly. Mm-hmm.
2: Excellent. Do you have
1: a quote value? Um, or anything else inspirational to help drive you uh, in tough decision?
0: I think in, in tough de- when I have to take a tough decision, of course, I try to inform myself as much as possible on, on the facts. And, and then uh, in the end, what I really uh, find that I use is, is what you could call a gut feeling. And some people think, you know, gut feeling, what is that? But uh, I think I think you have to remember that gut feeling is basically in my for my part, 53 years of life experience and all the things I've been through that help me guide the decision that I I have to make.
2: Fantastic. Nice. Um, What uh, what book or book have you most gifted or been most influenced by?
0: I think in terms of uh, being influenced by, I would probably, uh, I would mention two. Actually, uh, the, the first one is uh, a book by the Norwegian author Sigurd Hall uh, and it's called, I suppose the translation would be Meeting or Encounter at the Milestone, mod ved in Danish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's basically about, it, it tries to explain why some people became uh, Nazis during the Second World War. And what I like about it is, is kind of, uh, you know, it, it's really about existentialism, making choices. And that's something that I've already always felt inspired by. Uh, I, uh, I, I truly believe in people's responsibility for their own lives. And mm-hmm. so that book has inspired me very much. Another one I would mention, it's a completely different field. That's when you talk about leadership and management is the book that uh, Alfred Josephson, the former CEO of uh, of Irma, the high-end supermarket Mm -hmm. chain, wrote called Dear Dear Irma, where he basically says somewhere that, you know, it's not possible to create good working conditions, uh, increase people's motivation and energy, etc., without at the same time increasing the company's results. Which is uh, which is alpha is a little bit funny way of saying that uh, you know it is really important to uh, uh, to work with the to create the right working conditions for people to uh, to thrive and to produce good results.
1: Those sound like two excellent reads. Mm-hmm. I um, especially uh, close to my heart when we start talking existentialism. I remember when we were uh, speaking with Samuel Racklin um, about. Viktor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning and in terms of his family's mm. experience in Siberia. And it's it's uh, it sounds like a really nice read, the, the book you mentioned.
0: Yeah, I, I, can re- I can definitely recommend it. And, and I do truly believe in, in uh, and I'm not a big believer in destiny. I think we should uh, basically assume responsibility for our own lives and make our own choices.
1: I'm right there with you. Um, Ambassador Vispor, we're very mindful of your time. And we want to wrap up the podcast today with one final question, and that's a question we ask to all of our guests. And that is, what do you think Denmark can teach the rest of the world, and what do you think Denmark can still learn from the rest of the world?
0: Right. I mean, in terms of what Denmark can teach the rest of the world, I think I would go back to this uh, societal model that we have uh, developed in in Denmark and and in the rest of Scandinavia, actually, where we have this combination of the liberal market economy and the developed welfare model that kind of makes, that that kind of ensures that nobody is is left behind. And that that also ensures that we all have the same possibilities uh, in, in, in life, so to speak. Uh, I think, um, and that combined with a political system where we aim at bipartisan agreements on on the big issues, um, I think is is really a model uh, to to be uh, that that can be an inspiration for other countries. Um, I find it, for instance, for a small country like Denmark, it's super important that every time we have a change of government, it doesn't mean that all. Uh, that, that all legislation uh, will be changed. There are some fundamentals that stay, which is very much uh, to the benefit of, of of our country, I think. And uh, in terms of uh, what uh, others can can teach uh, uh, to teach Denmark, well there are there are a number of issues. If I look at the country that I'm in now, United mm-hmm. States, one of the things I think that uh, Americans do very well is, uh, is on in- innovation. I think in Denmark, we're actually quite innovative, but what we lack is really being able to scale small ideas up to, to, to big businesses, and that's something, uh, that's something the Americans are very good at. I've, I've just been to, to Silicon Valley, I met a number of these uh, startup tech companies, and, and I was p- quite impressed with how they've managed to, uh, to scale up their, their ideas to big businesses.
1: Fantastic. Before we go, is there is there anywhere where um, our audience can find you or follow the mission over there and what you guys are, are doing in the United States?
0: Yeah, uh, we, we are quite active both on, on Twitter, I have my personal Twitter account and the embassy has one as well. And uh, and then the embassy is also on Instagram and on, on Facebook. So and, and we have a, a web page, of course. So there should be uh, plenty of, of uh, possibilities to uh, to s- to see what we're doing.
1: Fantastic. Well, um, on behalf of uh, Ed and I, it's been a true pleasure, uh, Ambassador Vispor. And uh, perhaps our paths will cross in Copenhagen and uh, we can pick up the conversation uh, on this side of the Atlantic.
0: That would be great. It would be great pleasure to be to be part of it.
1: Thank you very much. And to our audience, don't forget to jump over to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe, rate, review to help our podcast continue to grow. Until next week, see you on the GDP. Are you getting the most out of your time in Denmark? Pick up your printed copy of the English language newspaper Copenhagen Post today to access relevant news and event information guaranteed to enhance your working and family life.